Welcome to the MPYA podcast. MPYA is a gathering designed specifically for young adults. In this podcast, you'll hear messages from our gatherings as well as conversations that we hope will help you navigate these defining years of your life. We hope you'll join us as we explore practical ways we can follow Jesus in our everyday lives. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at North Point Young Adults and subscribe to the podcast if you like what you hear. But with that in mind, let's jump into this week's episode. our soul and our mind as we jump into God's word. God, we love you. Thank you for this time, this set apart time that we have to come and seek your face and sit at your feet and pour out our worship to you, God. That's our life's goal. That's what we want to do with all of our days on earth. And so, God, we just are grateful that we can come in this space tonight and encounter you and open your word and hear from you. So I pray that all distractions will be put aside and that we'll just see you face to face and you will communicate to us and speak to us in a way that only you can, each of us individually, and that we'll leave here with a deeper yearning and love for you and to follow after you with all of our days. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, we are in a new series, which you probably have heard about or seen on social media, all about relationships. It's called Asking for a Friend, relationship questions we all have, but no one wants to ask. So with this series, kind of the vision as we were thinking about this, we wanted to do do a relationship series, but we didn't want it to be like super cliche, or just hit, you know, it's like, here's the things they're going to talk about. Um, But we want to dive into really hard questions that we know we all have, and that you have, and that you're asking, but maybe are hard to ask. And maybe you don't want to ask them, but they're deep down in your heart. So tonight, we're going to be coming around the idea of singleness, and the question tonight is, am I the problem if I'm still single? Am I the problem if I'm still single? And some of you, like when I say that, you feel it. Because you're like, I've asked that. I asked that last night. Am I the problem if I'm still single? And some of you, you're like, no, I'm not. I'm single, but I'm not the problem. You know it. Others of you, you're full on Taylor Swift. Like, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. And I've got to figure something out. Or it's just going to be me and me alone forever. And so wherever you land on this question tonight, if you're single or not, dating, married, I pray that God will speak to you um, in a way that only he can tonight. So we want to jump into that. But I want to say from the outset that that question is the wrong question to ask. Because what that says is there's a problem with singleness. And that singleness is just a stepping stone to the end goal. It's a means to an end. It's like an intermediate period. And that singleness, when you ask that question, it looks at singleness like this isn't it. And I've got to get somewhere else. And I've got to figure out how to get there. But I want to tell you the main idea from the outset. And if you don't hear anything else, hear this. That singleness is not a problem to be solved but a gift to be enjoyed. 
Now, I get it. When I say that, you're like, I've heard that. I knew that was coming. That's the church answer. And you're probably mad at me right now because you've heard it a million times, and you're like, I don't want to hear that ever again, that it's a gift. If it's a gift, I'm trying to figure out how to get the Amazon return label as fast as possible and get it to UPS because I'm tired of it. I don't want it. But as we dive in deeper tonight, I pray that you would just be open that maybe you'll see it with a fresh perspective of what God wants to speak to you and the gift that singleness truly is. I want to start tonight uh, telling you a little bit about when I was in college. Um, I was at college. I went to college in South Carolina. I was only there five semesters. I went really fast through college. Don't ask me why. I don't recommend it. But I remember when I graduated college, I think we have a picture don't judge this picture, okay? This was a couple years ago. My grandma, I'm pretty sure she took this with like her red iPad that she's sticking out. Um, but I graduated college December of 2018. And I was so ready to get out of that place. My last semester, fall of 2018, I took 21 hours. And my advisor was looking at me, and it was like all senior level classes. And he's like, we don't recommend people do this at all. And I'm like, I know, but I'm going to do it because I can't stand to be here another semester. I want out of this. And I wanted out of that season of life. I'm not sure why. I just thought the real world was going to be better. And so I did whatever I could to get out of it. So this day, I get my diploma. It was literally like a minute or a day before. I wasn't even sure if I was going to graduate. I had to get this grade. I was so ready to be out of this season of life. And then I get graduated. It's January of 2019. I didn't have a job. I didn't really have a plan. But I had my diploma. And I was like, I miss college. Like, it's kind of, that was fun. And there are so many things in that season of life that I didn't take advantage of. The time, the freedom, the friends, the people in my classes that I could have gotten to know, the professors who knew so much that I didn't even, like I was in and out of class. I didn't care about getting to know the professors or really ask them things that I was questioning. I was just trying to get in and out and get the diploma. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, and the majority of people, we can treat singleness just like this. It's a season to get out of as fast as possible. And that we want to rush through it and just get to the other side of it. It's this gift. If it's a gift, then I don't want this gift for long. And that's how we treat singleness. That we want to get out of it as fast as possible. But again, tonight, I want to tell you, singleness isn't a problem to be solved, but a gift to be enjoyed. The great theologian Kesha says this, I wish somebody would have told me, babe, some days these will be the good old days. <laughs> and that's how I think about college and high school. Like, I remember listening to that song in high school and college, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, this is cool, cool song. And now I look back, and I'm like, man, I miss those times. I could do whatever I wanted after noon because I had no class. I could go take a nap. And we treat singleness that exact way. We just want to get to the other side of it. 
and we don't take advantage of all that it has for us. So tonight, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 7 and Matthew 19. If you have your Bible or it's on your phone, I'd love for you to open it up uh, as we walk through the text. But I want to give you, as you're turning there or finding it in your phone, I want to give you three disclaimers before we jump in. One, I'm married. Like, right as we said we're talking about singleness, you probably noticed I have a ring on my left finger, and immediately I probably lost credibility with you. If you're single and you're like, this guy's going to come talk about singleness and preach on it, and he's not single and he's married. And I just want to say tonight, I've been married for 10 months. I was not, it was not that long ago that I was single. And I know what it's like to be in that boat. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So if that is like, if it's a roadblock for you and you're like, you're married, I don't want to hear anything you have to say, I get it. Because I sat across the table from dozens of people when I was single and they just kept telling me, trust God, just surrender it to him. When you're not looking for someone, that's when someone comes along. And every time I heard that stuff, I wanted to punch them in the face. And it was people that I loved and that knew lo- I, I knew that they loved me, but I didn't want to hear it. So I'm hoping tonight, and I just ask that you wouldn't hear me, you would hear God, and you would hear the Lord speaking to you. Secondly, I want to say as a disclaimer that I believe the church has done a really poor job at loving and ministering to single people. And I just want to say I'm sorry. Because I believe subconsciously we have elevated marriage and family above singleness. And we would never say that from a stage, but we can just kind of act that way and and do ministry that way. And it can feel like you don't belong if you don't have a wife and a stroller. And I want to say that you belong. So I'm sorry. And then lastly, I want to say that if you're dating, engaged, or married, and not single, you still have a reason to listen to this. One, if you're dating, the Bible doesn't acknowledge dating. And so the reality is you're not married, so in like technical terms, you're still single. Like when you file your taxes, you're putting single. Also, if you are dating, you could be single tonight. I hope that doesn't happen. Maybe it should happen for some of you. But you could be single. It's 8.03 at 8.53. It really could happen. And if you're engaged or married, I would just say listen in because chances are there's people in your life around you, close to you that are single, that you could give these tools to them. And that they could change the way they live in the season of singleness for their life. So let's jump in. First point of tonight is to open the gift. Open the gift. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 to 8. This is Paul talking. He says, I wish that all were as I myself am. Paul was single. But each has his own gift from God. one One of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it's good for them to remain single as I am. Paul's writing here, and he's explaining that everyone has their own gift. 
Some, are, some of it is marriage. Some people have a gift of marriage. Some people have a gift of singleness. But I think the key here is what it says towards the beginning in verse 7. It says, but each has his own gift from God. God gives both marriage and singleness as a gift. And so I just want to ask you tonight to start rewriting your thoughts and your logic and your perspective. When you think of singleness, think of it as a gift. God gives both marriage and singleness. They're gifts. I understand you don't want to hear this. Again, if you're single and you're looking for a husband, you're looking for a wife, maybe that's why you came. Welcome. We're glad you're here. But each is a gift from God. It's like playing white elephant gift exchange at Christmas, and you're the second person to pick, not the first, because the first can do, like, they can steal anything at the last, very last thing. But you're the second person to pick. You pick the absolute worst gift possible. You open it up. No one wants it. No one's going to steal it. They just kind of look at it and pass on by, and you've got it. That's how we can treat singleness. But Paul's saying it's a gift. And I want to say to you tonight to open the gift. Ben Stewart says this. God has ordained a season of singleness for every human being on the planet. Think about that for a minute. No one is exempt from being single. Singleness does not simply exist as an extended adolescence, a pursuit of career ambition, or a preparatory phase for marriage. Rather, God has ordained unique freedoms of single night, single life, not for distractions or ambitions, but for devotion to him. God's ordained single life with unique freedoms so that you wouldn't be distracted, but that you would be devoted to him. Every single human being on this planet goes through a season of singleness. The question is, how do we spend it? How do we use it? How do we use the gift that God's given us? 96% of millennials want to get married. Like, they desire to get married. 96%. And you're probably like, yeah, I want to get married. I desire to get married. If it's 96%, I'm all 96% of that. Like, I'm looking. I'm single and ready to mingle. Like, really mingle. And out of that 96% that want to get married, 90% or more actually do get married. So think about that for a second. Most people that desire to get married do get married. And I know when I was single, I was like, yeah, okay, so 96, 90, I'm definitely like that 1%. I want to get married and I'm not going to. And maybe that's you. But chances are you will get married if you desire that. The question is, how are you going to use it? How are you going to spend it? Knowing that you're probably more than likely going to get married and that those days are numbered, how would you live your life single differently? It's like Tim McGraw. When I was growing up, I grew up on country music. Don't hate me. I like country music. Tim McGraw says, live like you were dying. Or live like your singleness is dying. That there is a timer on it. And that you're going to be in this season 
just for a period of time, and you have unique freedoms and time and resources more than you ever will in your entire life. So knowing that, how would you live differently? How would you use it differently? How would you spend it differently? I think there's three things we can do with this season of singleness. One, we can waste it. You can absolutely bomb it. And there's probably some of us, some of you in the room that are doing that. You can bend your way through every season and documentary on Netflix while you're single and look back and say, man, I don't really know what I have for that season of my life. Second thing we can do is we can rush through it. We can rush through it and prematurely get out of it and just get into a relationship, not because we need to be there, but just because we wanted to get out of singleness. We can rush through it prematurely. And thirdly, we can take advantage of it. We can seize the opportunity, the gift. We can open the gift and use it that God's given us. There's so much freedom that comes from singleness. So what does this look like? It looks like serving others, like getting involved in the local church. Some of you need to root your life in the local church. You need to be here on Sunday morning. You need to sign up and serve in Upstreet and Wamba. You need to lead a small group for middle schoolers in transit. Serving, serving others. That's how we don't waste the season of singleness. For others of you, you need to get involved in local nonprofits around the city that serve people. Like on a Saturday morning, you're like, I don't have anything to do. Good, you can go volunteer at a nonprofit that serves people. I heard a quote once that you can't be lonely serving others. And I know singleness and loneliness will oftentimes go together, and I get it, it's real. But if you get busy serving people, you'll find your calendar gets full. How are you going to spend it? Some of you need to get on a plane and go overseas to the unreached and unengaged, to the people who have little or no access to the gospel, and go spend time there. And I'm not talking about 10 days, I'm talking about months or years. Because you can do that. It's a gift. Singleness is a gift. Secondly, our relationship status is not everything. 1 Corinthians 7, 29-31. This is what I mean, brothers, as Paul's speaking again. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as, as though they had none. And let those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. You read that and you're like, what is Paul saying? Is he saying that we shouldn't be married anymore? Like, I've been married 10 months. Should I just leave my wife and act like she doesn't exist anymore? No, that's not what he's saying. What he is saying, you can see at the very beginning, it says the appointed time has grown very short. And then at the end, for the present form of this world is passing away. Paul's saying, just remember that your relationship status doesn't define you. And it is not everything. It is not the end goal. It's not why you were created. You were created to give God glory and to worship him. Not to achieve a certain relationship status. 
He's saying your identity first and foremost is a loved child of a perfect father. And everything else flows from that. That's what singleness is. Marriage isn't the solution to all of our problems. And it definitely doesn't fill any sort of void that we have in our heart. If we're looking to a relationship or marriage to fill a void that we have in our heart, all marriage does is magnify that and bring it to the surface. Marriage doesn't cure any of our sins or insecurities. I know when I was like single and even dating, I just had this idea, man, if I could just get married, then blank, this would be fixed. And I've heard it, like, if I could just be married, then that's when I'll start serving in the church. Which is sort of backwards way of thinking, because when we're married, we actually have less time. And you have more time and freedom when you're single. Or guys, we think, if I could just be married, that's when I'll start getting this habit out of my life. Whatever that is. Or if I could just be married, then that'll solve all of my lust problem, which isn't true. If I could, when, once I get married, that's when I'll start tithing. Oh, no. <laughs> but we start living with this idea that marriage is going to solve these problems, and it's just going to be the thing that completes us. And let me tell you, that is not true. All it does is magnify those things, those voids and those holes and those insecurities, and it brings it to the surface. So if you don't do the hard work when you're single, that's going to come out later in a relationship. Marriage is not the end goal. Your relationship status is not everything. Augustine says this, we are restless until our hearts find their rest in thee. If we think marriage or a relationship status or a girlfriend or a boyfriend is going to find rest for our soul, we are mistaking. We have to find our rest in thee. And every other relationship flows from that. Thirdly, is be devoted without distraction. 1 Corinthians 7, 32 to 34 I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Paul's saying, I want you to be free from anxieties. See, at this time, Christians were facing harsh persecution, and the men had to protect their families. And so if they had wives and children, they had to spend a lot of their time protecting their wives and children, which is a good thing. Like, you should do that. If you're married and you have kids, protect your wives and children, definitely. But what he's saying is, hey, if you're single, you just got to worry about yourself. You're not divided. You're not worrying about taking care of other people and protecting other people. Guys, married people are distracted. Let me just tell you guys, you will do more target pickup orders than you ever thought was possible. You will live in lane four. 
You just will. And that's a good thing because you're serving your wife and you're loving her. But you're just distracted. And girls, you will do more laundry and clean up after a husband that you think an entire army lives in your apartment. Is it a bad thing to do that? No, that's a good thing. You're just distracted. You're divided. If you're single, you have more time and freedom than any other person on this planet. So I want to ask you tonight, how can you use that for the Lord's glory? I was recently in Charleston a couple weeks ago, and my wife and I, Aisha, we were just going to get away for a couple days for a little quick getaway. But then we found out they were doing this run uh, the same weekend we were going. And my wife, Aisha, she's a runner. So she's like, ran in high school. She likes it. It's fun to her. So she signed up. She was running this thing. And I'm like, I'm not a runner. I run like once a year. I'll meet you at the finish line and I will cheer you on. But then some other people we knew some of our friends were going, and one of my best friends called me the night before. And he's like, hey, one of the guys that was in our group dropped out, so we have an extra registration packet, so um, you can have it. And I was like, I'm not really, like, I haven't ran in months, number one. I barely even packed for this trip, and I definitely don't have the stuff to run in, so I'm not really, like, down. And then my wife's begging me, and she's like, you got to do it. There's 40,000 people that do it. Most of them just walk the entire thing anyways. So I'm like, okay, I'll run half and walk half. I'll probably run three miles and then walk three miles. It's going to be a little embarrassing, but I'll get through it. So we start the race, and I'm, I start running with one of my best friends, and we just start running. He's in front of me. I'm behind him. And at, at first, I'm like, okay, first two miles, i got to make it through two miles. I'm just going to follow him. Wherever he goes, I go. If he goes to the right, I'm going to go to the right. If he goes left, I'm going left. If he gets water, I'm going to get water. Because I'm not a runner. He is. He's done this a million times. So I just start following him. Wherever he goes, I go. Then I'm like, okay, I can do this. It's mile two. I'm like kind of working it up. But then I start thinking in my mind, at what point am I just going to start walking? Because i got to like dip out at some point. I can't stay with him the entire way. But I just stayed locked in on him, and I'm like, wherever he goes, I go. Then I started making it my goal. I'm going to stay with him the entire time, the entire race. And if, if he walks, then fine, I'll walk. But if he runs the whole thing, I might be mad at him, but I'm going to run the whole thing. I'm just following him. And then about mile four or five, I hit this thing called runner's high. I had never experienced it before. People had told me about it. I thought it was fake, but I experienced it. You just kind of get in this groove, and you're good, and you just feel it. I don't really know how to explain it. I just hit runner's high, and finally, we get to the finish line, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't stop the entire time. All I did was follow him. Wherever he went, I went, and look what I just did. I ran a 10K. That wasn't that impressive, but my body was feeling it the next day. But this this is a picture of what the single life can look like. That wherever he goes, we're just locked in on Jesus, and everyone else disappears. We're not distracted by anything to the left or the right, anything that comes at us. Wherever he goes, I go. 
If he's going right, I'm going right. If he goes to Chattanooga, I'm going to Chattanooga. If he calls me to Zambia, I'm going to Zambia. I just want to be with him. I want to follow him. And then you can get to the end and look back and say, man, God, you did more in me and with me and through me than I could ever have imagined. I was just running with you. I was locked in on you. I was focused on you. That's the picture of the single life. Remember, Paul says, the unmarried man is anxious about things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. If this doesn't define your singleness, you're doing it wrong. So what does this look like? There's three things that I think about what this looks like. First is to love his word. Become students of this book. Like really love his word. Become students. Live your life. Memorize this thing. Memorize chunks of it. You have more time than ever to get into this thing. And what if the way that you studied his word and let it into your life and memorized it changed the way that you were a future wife or husband, changed the way that you were a father to your future kids, all because of the way that you spent while you were single diving into his word? Some of you have the margin in your life that you need to enroll in a seminary course about the Bible. Not because you want to work at a church, but because you want to know about his word and you want it to mark your life. And you have the margin to do that because you're single. Take advantage of it. Secondly, love his presence. Like really love his presence. Develop a prayer life. There's so many good things we can do while we're in our 20s and we're, we're young these goals that we can hit that will help us get there later on in life. But nothing is more important than developing a prayer life. And learn how to linger in his presence, to sit at the feet of Jesus. And yes, we should do that all of our days on earth. But it's a little bit harder to sit and linger in the presence of our Father when we've got soccer practice to get to. Again, not a bad thing. We're just divided when you're married and have kids. Love is presence when you're single. Thirdly, love is people. There are things that you can do, ways that you can serve God's people when you're single that you can't do when you're married. You just have more margin. You have more time. You have more freedom. Frankly, some of you have more resources that you can go and pour in somewhere. So what does that look like practically? You can volunteer in Wamba and Upstreet. Some of you need to lead a small group for middle schoolers. Transit staff is here tonight. You can talk to them afterwards. I think they'll be in the back or at the first timetable. And there's some people, maybe a person in the room, I feel like God's been saying this to me all week, there's someone in here that's called to go serve people on the other side of the world. 
Maybe not for their life, but for a season. And you're single and you can do it. There's nothing holding you back. And that you need to pursue that. You need to take the first step towards that. And then I want to end with this, this question. Because I'm pro- you're probably like, Nathan, that's all good. Like, I'm down with that. I'm single. And everything you said was, like, pretty good. That's cool. But how long will I be single? Because I can get on this plan. I can get on God's plan as long as I know how long I'm going to be single. I want to look at Matthew 19, verses 11 to 12. This is Jesus talking. He says, but he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been, been so from birth. There are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. If you don't know what a eunuch is, a eunuch is basically a guy who doesn't have male reproductive organs. Don't think about that too long. But he goes through three, three different categories of eunuchs. First, they're, they've been that way since birth. They were born that way. Second category is eunuchs that they were punished that way by man. A lot of times kings would do this to men and then make them, those guys, servants for their wives because they knew there was no sexual temptation there. And then the last category, it's not physical, but spiritual. Some that chose that for themselves, to serve the Lord. And you might be wondering, like, okay, I want to serve you, God, with everything. I want to spend my days glorifying you. But is that me? Like, am I called to singleness for my life? Verse 11 says, Jesus saying, to those whom it is given. God gives both singleness and marriage as gifts. And he says to us, simply enjoy them. And you might be asking, like, how do I know if I'm called to singleness? Like, is that me? Am I called to singleness? And I would say, did you wake up single today? And if the answer is yes, then you're called to singleness for today. And that's all you need to know. You're called to singleness for today. Just take it day by day. And if you're called today, then figure out how you can serve him and serve his people. Take advantage of it today. Elizabeth Elliot says this, if you are single today, the portion assigned to you for today is singleness. It is God's gift. Singleness ought not be viewed as a problem nor marriage as a right. God in his wisdom and love grants either as a gift. Elizabeth Elliot was married. She was doing ministry in Ecuador. Her husband was killed, a martyr, and she lived the rest of her life single, doing missions among the people that killed her husband. She's saying both are a gift. God grants them out of his wisdom and love as gifts. There's many heroes of the faith that were single. 
that lived their life unmarried for the sake of the gospel. The Apostle Paul, which we've been reading his letters, he wrote half the New Testament, the greatest missionary to ever live, planted churches across the ancient world. He was single, and he used the gift that God has given him. Jeremiah, a major prophet in the Old Testament, he was single. John the Baptist, many believe he was single, and he lived his life for Jesus, holding nothing back. Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, when he came to be God with us in the flesh on this earth, he was single. Lottie Moon, one of the greatest missionaries to ever live, she spent 40 years in China sharing the gospel, and she was single, and she used the gift God has given her. John Stott, one of the most influential pastors to ever live, he was single. And Amy Carmichael, another great missionary who lived their life in India, she, made, she built orphanages for at-risk young girls and lived her life loving and serving God's people. And I read about those, and I'm like, that's amazing. But I've experienced this personally in my life, the benefit of that. My, I have a, a picture of my friend Snipes. This is me and him at um, our wedding, my wedding. And um, definitely my wedding to Asia. <laughs> but Snipes is like, Second to my wife, one of the most special people in my life. He's a sixth grade English teacher. He's been doing it for over 30 years. He leads Bible studies for guys in eighth grade to 12th grade, one of each grade on every night of the week other than Wednesday nights. Every summer, right when he finishes school, he goes immediately to Fuge Camp. He's a pastor and a director. He's there all summer. And then every weekend of the fall and the spring, he's either in a car or on a plane flying somewhere to preach, and he's single. I'll see him tomorrow. I'm going to hang out with him. And he spends his life pouring out for the gospel. Yeah, he desired to get married. But he said, God, this is the gift that you have given me. And I don't know how long you've given it to me, but I'm just going to take it day by day, and I'm going to take advantage of it, and I'm going to pour my life out for people. That's what singleness looks like. He's changed the trajectory of my life forever, and I'm so grateful that he's using his gift of singleness. So I just want to ask you, is someone in your life grateful that you're using your gift of singleness? If no one around you is grateful for that, you're doing singleness wrong. I want to go back to that picture where I had graduated college. I know it's a little cringy. But I talked about how I wanted to get through this season, and that was so true. I wanted to graduate. I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to start real life. But what I didn't tell you was I was hurting in that picture, like hurting. 2018 was the worst year of my life by far. My dad passed away early in that year. And then a few months prior to that picture, I had just gotten out of a relationship that I thought was going to last. Like It was like three years. I thought that was the one. I was about to graduate. That was going to be it. 
And I graduated, and I remember it was January of 2019. I didn't really have a job. I didn't really have a plan. I didn't have much. And I was taking a shower, and I remember just staring at the water hit my face over and over. And I just got to a point where I said, God, it's me and you. That's all I have. And maybe you're there. But God, if it's me and you and that's all I ever have, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm good. It might take a little while to be good. It might take some work. But I'm good. And I had to come to a point where I realized I'm a loved son of a perfect father in heaven. That is my identity, and that's the only title I ever need in my entire life. I don't need to be a boyfriend. I don't need to be a husband. I don't need to be a pastor. I don't need to be a college graduate. I'm a loved son of a perfect father. That's the only title I need. So God, it's me and you, and I'm good. Your loved sons and loved daughters of a perfect father, that's your identity. Are you good? It's not wrong to desire marriage. It's not wrong to desire a relationship. But if you're not devoted to the Lord in the season of singleness, you're wasting it. So tonight, as we wrap up, we're going to just sing one part of a song bigger than I thought. And I love that song. It says, I will rest in the Father's hands. And maybe you're single. You've been single for a, a while, far longer than you wanted to or expected. And I would just ask you tonight to surrender and to say, God, I will rest in your hands and then I'm going to leave the rest in the Father's hands. And then I love the part in the bridge where it says, I throw all my, f uh, my fears and doubts don't scare you. When I was single, which was not that long ago, I had a lot of fears and a lot of doubts. I doubted God. I doubted the goodness of God. I doubted if he really had a good plan for my life. But our doubts and fears don't scare him. He's bigger than I thought he was. So we're gonna go into a time of prayer. I would ask you just to bow your head and just surrender to him tonight. Wherever you find yourself, wherever you are on that spectrum, that you'll just surrender it to him. That you're going to rest in the Father's hands and leave the rest in the Father's hands. Maybe some of you are like, man, I, I can never have a relationship with someone on earth until I have a relationship with my Heavenly Father, right? And that needs to happen for you tonight. We'd love to talk with you about that. We'll be around in the back as we sing this song.
Thanks for tuning in to the NPYA podcast. To learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at North Point Young Adults or head to our website, northpoint.org slash youngadults. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss one.